Hi, I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg, and we're the co-founders of The Skim. So welcome to our podcast, Skim from the Couch, presented by Dunkin' Donuts. On every episode, we invite smart, inspiring, successful women to chat candidly about what it takes to get to the top and what it's like once you're there. So this is a podcast about the real stuff, the bad days, the bad advice, the first big career win, the people who are there for you, the people who are not, the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. We started the skin from a couch and we only have one rule on this couch, no BS. So sticking with the entrepreneurial theme of this show, we're working with a partner that really gets that. Duncan is offering Girl Scout cookie-inspired flavored coffee. What a way to wake up. It's really good. And for those that aren't in the Girl Scouts, they do more than just sell amazing cookies. They are the largest leadership organization for girls in the United States. So stop by Duncan and show some love. So now, please join us in welcoming our guest, Pyle Kadakia. Pyle, we're really excited to have you here today. Thank you for joining us. Pyle is the founder and executive chairman of ClassPass. It's the fitness membership company that lets you easily find and take classes at different gyms and studios in your area. Since ClassPass was founded in 2011, over 45 million reservations have been booked using it, and now it's available in 49 cities around the world. Pyle has been on Fortune's 40 Under 40 list and is also the founder and artistic director of Sod Dance Company. Pyle, you do a lot. Wow. <laughs> Welcome. Really Thank excited you for to talk me, to you. We are, are big fans of yours and longtime admirers and lucky enough to have recently um, gotten to meet you. And so I think, you know, one of the things that we do here on, on, on our podcast is we, we know that you're successful. Like, you've established something amazing. You class pass as a household name. Like, it's incredible. But we want to dig into the stuff that really only founders uh, understand about each other. Absolutely. Uh, which is how tough it can be. Right. And I think, you know, what I, I also love about your story is how, you know, a lot of times, and I'm sure you get this all the time, when people come for advice, they're like, but how did you know this was the idea? Or like, how did you know to start? And what I love is that you are solving something really simple, that you were trying to solve a problem that you discovered in your life. So can you just walk us through that process? Yeah. You know, um, I had a pretty standard upbringing. My parents uh, immigrated here from India in the 70s and, you know, wanted me to either be a doctor, a lawyer, like an engineer. It was pretty a standard path. And so I went to a good school and I then, you know, I worked in consulting and after that, um, I had this burning passion inside of me for Indian dance. And it was something that I started doing when I was three years old. It was my life. Like, it was when I got off of work. It was what I did. It was the first thing I looked for when I got to New York City. And I just felt like if I wasn't going to pursue it then, I was never going to. So, so we're no longer alike because I have no rhythms. That's where I found Everyone can dance. I truly like believe to, it. I like to that I can dance, but I don't know about that. I, everyone has rhythm. It's just about I finding know, the I right. <laughs> or what we might have to go go dancing after this. Um, but you know, for me, it was it was this really interesting point in my life where most of my friends were going off to you know business school, and I just was like, that's not right for me. So the first like really big decision I think I made in the path of entrepreneurship was I got this other job. I worked in the music industry at Warner Music Group in digital strategy. I actually got to see the entire industry transform. But I actually every night started dancing. I danced for four hours. I put together the best dancers I knew on the East Coast, and I built my first dance company. Wow. And 
we would uh, tour around on the weekends, and uh, we ended up on the cover of the art section of the New York Times. Wow. Um, I barely had a website up. I remember that day my boss being like, I didn't know if you were coming to work the next day. <laughs> um, but it was a sign for me that told me, you know what, there's something bigger ahead. And, it, you know, this was still two years before I had started the company. But I just felt like all these signs were all pushing me in this direction to be like, you have to do something bigger with your life. And then eventually I got to the point where, you know, I had the dance company, I was working, and then I was just like, this isn't, doesn't feel right. I felt like I was two people. I don't know. I, you know, whenever you feel like that, you got have to make a change in your life mm-hmm. if you feel like you have two identities, like yeah. you're one thing with your friends and then one thing at work. And for me at that point, um, I went out to San Francisco. I met a bunch of entrepreneurs. And I was like, what if I could start a company? It was just like one of those things where what they were doing really resonated so with me. So I think I'm going to pause you there because sure. when we talk about our story, people like I remember we once met a, a founder and she's like, I really want to hate you guys because you make it sound like your story is really easy. And we were like, screw you. It's not. And we don't, I hope we don't make it sound that way. When I listened to you, I'm like, okay, you had this like amazing idea. And then you just like moved across the country. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) break it down. Yeah. Like break it down. I mean, okay. Yeah. No, I was sitting at my desk at Warner being like, I hate life. I hate my job. (laughs) And, you know, that's like where I was. And I was looking for inspiration. You know, I was at that point in my life. And I think when you're in points like that, you need to put yourself in new situations, right? Staying in the current situation yeah. is the worst thing you can do. So that's why I remember my friend was having this party and I I literally like caught the last flight out on Friday and I was like, that's it. Like I just got to get out of New York yeah. and go meet some new people. Which is really interesting because I moved to New York to find that inspiration. Right. And I feel like typically it's a place where people go to get creative and to get that hustle. And we've had the opposite feeling, actually. Every time we go to San Francisco, it's like everyone is entrepreneurial. Everyone has their own company. And all of a sudden, we start to feel kind of the same, like you're not As everyone else. Yes. So that's a really good point. I think um, this was about eight years ago. So I think like the New York tech scene really, I think, grew in the past four, Mm -hmm. five years. And I think at that point, I didn't know anyone who was an entrepreneur. All my friends were in like finance, banking, or fashion. No one was like kind of building apps, right? Or building like prop, like building solutions via technology. And that's what I found interesting. And yeah. I actually hadn't found people who had full-time jobs doing it. I think that was the other <laughs> side of it. Yeah. Like I was like, you do this full-time? Like it totally blew my that's mind. That's when it becomes different. I want to go back to one point that you made, which is you said the business school wasn't for you. And we had the same response. Yep. Um, you know, we were obviously in a very different career. We were in media we couldn't really afford business school. And Mm -hmm. in media, you don't really make that money back. But we still get asked all the time, should I go to business school? Should I not? Do you regret it? How do you feel about that decision? Look, I... I believe school is important. Like, I, I would not be here today if it wasn't for having a good education. Um, that being said, like, look, I studied business when I was an undergrad. I then worked at Bain where I felt like I got, like, my mini MBA. At some point, I just wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the lessons I w- w- was going to learn in my life was going to be from actually doing something. That doesn't mean I don't believe in school. Like, I, yeah. I'm telling you, I want to go study astrophysics in my life. You know, like, oh, this I'm is another going area to go. we're different. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. finding all the things that we're doing. You don't like astrophysics. <laughs> no, it so hurts much. my head. hurts our heads. Um, um, but, but yeah, it's, it's an important thing. And I would say, you know, I would do it for the right reasons. Um, and I think if you're ready to start a company, just do it. There's no nothing who's, else. Who's the first person you told the idea to? 
Oh, um, well, let's see. So actually, my my earliest co-founder, one of my really good guy friends who I'd known since I was like five years old. I mean, I let's see. So, you know, I got off that plane like from San Francisco. I came back and I was like, I'm going to think of an idea. And I mean, I was like kind of like half depressed, half like inspired of trying yeah. to think of something. And then I went to go look for a ballet class online. And that one was, was when I was like, this sounds really interesting. Like ZocDoc exists, <laughs> right. like Seamless Web exists. Like what if this could exist for classes? So that was sort of like that moment where I was like, wait, maybe there's something here. And I felt really passionate about it. Um, but then I called one of my good uh, guy friends. He's, he was like a dancer. He was uh, he was in banking at the time. And I remember I told him about the idea. And, uh, you know, he's a good friend. And the next day I wake up and I have 10 text messages being like, I want to give you money. Like, when are you starting this thing? Okay. Wow. Um, and then luckily enough, four months later, he quit his job and joined me. Wow. But uh, it was one of those things where I think I got that reaction from a lot of friends of just yeah. like, this sounds like a good idea. By the way, that idea didn't work, which we can get yeah. into. Yes. But, so uh, so <laughs> like, what I love about like, your story is that you know, it comes from this personal experience that I think we all had and we all thought about, well, why isn't there? You know, I, I've definitely in New York fitness classes book up so quickly. They're expensive. It's annoying. It's frustrating. And I would talk about it with my friends and they would say the exact same thing. Why doesn't this exist? And you actually did that. And then what happened? Well, so we started with the search engine, right, for classes that we thought would work. We raised money for it, too. Um Crickets. Like, I can't tell you what it, what crickets feels like until you face it. And companies don't realize you, you launch, you get press. And then if you do not have reservations or don't have people buying anything, I mean, you're on the other side of this and you kind of start feeling like you're a fraud, right? Like, go ahead. Why was no one using it? Well, so I think what was really interesting is we had solved this information gap, right? This idea of, okay, let's aggregate all these fitness classes. But we hadn't actually built a real value proposition for the customer. And when I looked at it even deeper, I realized I'm a really motivated person. Like, I fought to keep dance in my life. I realize most people are struggling with, I'm scared of classes. I don't know how to get in. I, you know, and I ask, I say that to myself in every other class aside from a dance class. I'm, I feel the same way. And so I realized that there was this fear that was happening, that there was this idea of, um, you know, even just the, it was expensive, right? I didn't know if I was going to pay $30 and what I was going to get. And so I realized we weren't actually answering everything that people needed to actually say yes. I was just kind of building a product for myself, which a lot of people do. But I forgot the fact that most people didn't have the same exact, let me, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I'm just going to go walk into a class tomorrow. And at that point, what did the company look like when you decided to pivot? Yeah. So you mean in terms of like employees, all yeah. of that? Yeah. So we had raised, I would say at that point, about a million dollars. We had about uh, six people at the company. Uh, but when it didn't work, we started downsizing a little bit. I mean, we went you from just, six to four, but, you know, You just gave me such heartburn because <laughs> I totally remember that. It's like yeah. a, a gorilla sitting on my chest right now because I remember when we were six people and we just took in that round of seed funding and you are so excited. You have all of this momentum. It's like proof that this was a good idea that you believe in. And then what is that like? How do you move forward from that? So um, I remember it was it was over the summer, and we would go into work every day, and we'd be like, were there any reservations? It was like, no. And, you know, we had people browsing, mm -hmm. but they just weren't going to class, right? So we, we started uh, changing the colors of the buttons and, like, trying to see—we thought it was, like, yeah. a UI problem, yeah. maybe. And we were like, maybe we're not, like, listing the information in the right way. So we did that for about two months, and then 
you know, I still had capital. So I was like, this is on me now to be like, what are we going to do? Like, you can either sit here and coast with a product that's not working and try and optimize it. But you optimize buttons and stuff once you have a product working, right? Not at that point. And so at that point, I remember um, kind of coming, having to like talk to my advisors and kind of they were just like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, we need to think of another idea here, right? And so luckily enough, like we started talking to a lot of our studio owners at the time. And many of them were offering classes for free to get people in the mm-hmm. door. And that was our second product, which also didn't yeah. work. Um, but we uh, we basically built a product that was $49 that let people try classes around Manhattan for mm-hmm. about $49 for $49 for one month, 30 days. And we thought that would people would convert yeah. to their favorite studios after. What was great is people started actually going to class. So yeah. we finally had reservations. So what I love, because like one of the things that we really try to instill here, and it's honestly, it's really hard for us personally, is like fail fast. Absolutely. And I think you are actually the embodiment of how to do that and like Absolutely. how to get to success. Yep. Because your company has had three different iterations. Absolutely. And we we are still iterating, yes. right? I mean, we've definitely, you know, we've still, we've changed our model. We've kept iterating. You, you never get out how of that. How do you... Because I think I, I, from hearing you talk, I get the confidence you have in yourself. And it sounds like you have a great network of people you've gone to mm-hmm. to to look at the data and be like, this is how we should iterate. But how do you keep your employees engaged and believing in you? That's a great question. Look, at the end of the day, it's not about a product that works for me. It's actually about the solution to the actual problem I was mm-hmm. solving, right? And I think it's really important to be mission-obsessed and not product-obsessed because you need to make sure you're solving what you've set out to do. Mm-hmm. And that reservation number, you know, and it's the heartbeat of our entire company. It's what we have blinking on the walls all over a class pass. That is the heart and soul of our company. If people aren't going to class, we're not doing anything yeah. for the world. We're not accomplishing anything. And so for me, it was always going back to that. So if things are at zero— there's always something better in getting to one reservation or two reservations. There were definitely times, especially the second pivot between the Passport and when we actually did the subscription model, where it was a little tough because we started actually having some revenue. We started mm-hmm. having reservations. And, you know, people were like, we've been doing this for three years. Like, what is this? We're going to, tr- like, do something else. But I think at that point, you just have to, A, like, really convince your team that you need to try something else, right? Mm-hmm. And do it quickly. Like, you can't be like, oh, we're going to take a year to build this. You have to figure out how to get to MVP mm-hmm. and see if you can get proof. For those who don't know what MVP oh, is. Oh, yeah. Uh, minimal viable product. So yeah. get to a place where you can actually just test yeah. if your product works. And yeah. by the way, I didn't do the that the first time. the version of Yeah, the least, right. Yeah. I mean, we did the wrong thing the first, <laughs> yeah. like, when we built the search engine, we took a year and a half to build this thing. Yeah. yeah. And I will never do that again. I yeah. mean, I feel bad for all the... Uh, our first probably customers where we probably we did all their reservations manually like we had no yeah. technology built but that's how you do it and mm-hmm. i have learned like all all that matters is does someone want to go to class and are they willing to hit that reserve button mm-hmm. and if they're not i have to keep moving and keep iterating and my team kind of got that same energy so me. what is the mission of class pass so our vision yeah oh great God, question look at this great um, <laughs> so our vision statement is every life fully lived which, you know, the way we think about that is it's about the hours of your life. And we want you, you know, on that, when you're on your deathbed, right, we want you to be like, I lived every moment of my life in the most amazing way possible. <laughs> and our mission is to motivate people to lead an inspired life. And we do that by connecting them to soul-nurturing experiences. So soul-nurturing is a very important word for us because it's about time. And we want your time to be meaningful and for you to connect with amazing things from fitness classes and beyond. That's only half of the story, and there's a lot more to come. But first, 
we have a few more things to say about Duncan and the fact that they are making amazing coffee right now. That's Girl Scout cookie-inspired flavors. That is amazing. Say that three times fast. No. (laughs) So I know being able to get a Thin Mint-flavored coffee is a little bit much to take. It's very surreal. We are totally with you and supporting you emotionally when you hear that. But they have other flavors, like coconut caramel. Caramel and coffee goes really well together. And peanut butter cookie. That one has my name on it. It does. And you can get them in any way. Hot coffee, frozen coffee. And wait for it. Dun, dun, dun. Ice coffee. Are you just naming different words with coffee? Yes. But um, no, they actually make them in a bunch of different ways. And the Girl Scout cookie program helps girls learn the skills they need to become successful entrepreneurs. And it's also the biggest leadership organization for girls in the United States. I cannot think of a better reason to get caffeinated. So I remember the day that ClassPass changed its unlimited model, and it doesn't stand out in my mind because of being in the startup space or, you know, knowing you and and following your career. It stands out in my mind because it was one of the few days that my friends were texting me and talking about a company that they loved that was also in the same space. And I remember looking at it as kind of a business case of stepping back and thinking about, well, my friends love this company enough to be so upset to yeah. talk about it. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, what is this going to mean for this startup that is totally changing its business strategy? Yeah. What was that like for you? It was a tough day. I'm, I'm never going to say it was an easy day. I mean, we built this product to delight people and to, like, have them have beautiful lives. And that is at the core of what we were doing. Mm-hmm. But ultimately what happened with people going to so many classes over time. And like, this was something, you know, after being a founder that spent the first years trying to get someone to go to one class, we were kind of on the opposite yeah, side of this what you where people for, were yeah. going. Exactly. I mean, to so many classes and, you know, my CFO and I would always talk and he'd be like, you know, this is a good problem. Like most people would die for yeah. this kind of engagement, but we had to make sure that we were building a good business. So we had the right to keep moving forward. Right. And ultimately with that, what ended up happening, and I think this was really hard for me, is we were rooting against our customers, right? right? We were rooting this mission I talk about. I remember coming into the office and people would kind of come up with some ideas to be like, what could we do to potentially get people to like go to less classes? And I'm like, this is not the conversation (laughs) we need to be having. I mean, this is the exact opposite of how I lead, how I think is like what our purpose is. And so that's when I was like, we will find our way. And we knew that customers loved it. We knew we were still giving them obviously a ton of value. Um, But, you know, I I personally spent the day uh, building products for the future. And Mm -hmm. I think I'm a very action-oriented person. So in moments like that, I think the best thing you could do is is start, you know, building again and kind of making sure that you're doing things for Did you have, I mean, I know when I have, like, a tough day, like, I will lock myself in the room with Danielle. I'll go call my mom in the bathroom. Like, you know, you have your moments. Like, how do you, how did you deal on that day and how what are your moments like what how do you yeah how do I deal um honestly it's movement like I there are a lot of times where I once again it's all mm-hmm. about just switching up your energy mm-hmm. um and I would you know I went for a run when I needed to or I yeah. go to class I mean that it's really funny because it's a well, part actually, of I was wondering class. I'm like can you go to class and actually um, zone out and, like, get the kind of um, endorphins that you want? Or are you thinking about the business? Um, no, no, no. Absolutely. I, I, like, class to me is, like, a sacred place the same yeah. way it is for our customers. Like, I, 
you know, sometimes I, I use my own product. Like, you forget, right? right? Yeah. Like, you're yeah. so into it. It's it's amazing, right? When I yeah. love moments like that where I'm like, I was like in another That's city the other day. Yeah. on my personal email because I want to experience it. Yeah, like it's a, it's so important to just experience your own product. Like, I, I got to New York on uh, Saturday, remember, and I was at my friend's baby shower, and I'm like, I just want to go to class. and like, open up my own <laughs> app, and I'm like, there you go. I'm going to a bar That's class. So and I'm like, it works. Yeah, it works, you know? But I think, what, like, back to what you were saying, though, yeah, like, I think— uh, you know, it's important to zone out and, ha- you know, it's an hour of your time where you're not connected to technology, right? And I mean, in our lives, like to get away from our phones, like that's why I like yeah. running or going to class because I'm away from it. And it actually gives me a second to process, mm-hmm. whether it's like, you know, stressful things or sad things or like great things that I'm dreaming about. Like yeah. I love, I mean, honestly, actually a lot of the times I like start my day with like a quick workout just mm-hmm. so I can go through my thoughts. I have two questions. Go for it. Wrapping up. One, what's your favorite class? Oh, wow. That's such a hard question for me. Um, I really love bar classes. So um, one of my favorites is actually right here in New York. Her name is Patricia Fit. She was like, she was one of our first studios on the platform and she's a small little bar studio and she's just such a phenomenal person. And I actually love because I see people like that grow off our platform. That's that's Um, right. But I, you know, at the end of the day, like, I love that. I used to be so scared of working out that I can walk into any class now and— and I'm I'm four foot eleven. Like I always used to be. Like I just felt like the like fitness world wasn't for me. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm like I can walk into any class and feel great. So my last question is, you know, thinking about class passes mission, and it mm-hmm. seems like you really want it to be wider mm-hmm. than just fitness. Was that always the case, or has that been the product of? seeing changing trends in the fitness community with things like Peloton and things like Fly Anywhere of kind of getting these at-home subscriptions that yep. in some way take people away from classes. Yep. So so when we first started as a company, we actually had different types of classes on there. So we had fitness classes and we had creative classes. So one of the things we always were about was connecting people to their passions and hobbies, right? We were always about that. And we were trying to figure out the easiest way for you to do that. I think one thing that's important for any founder to look at is when you build a company like this, right? We ended up focusing, actually. We actually took off some of the more creative things and focused in on and on fitness. But I think it's important for any company to always realize what the trends are around you and what your customers are doing, right? I When I first started eight years ago, there wasn't that much video going on, right? There was maybe like DVDs and things like that with fitness, but there weren't these amazing ways for people to create virtual digital experiences, um, and now that we see that, I think it's important to not, you know, you can't just be like, well, this is my, this is the way we want to do it. Once again, this is about mission versus product again. Yeah. And it has to be like, well, to stay on our mission, we realize that people do want to work out via video, right? They want to find other ways to find a 10 minute workout. And it's on us to bring that to our customers. Great. Well, Pyle, thank you so much. Uh, we are huge fans of what you've built and uh, really happy to to get to know another founder. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day. Sign up at theskim.com. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com. Two M's for a little something extra.